Injuries are the most common cause of death among children, adolescents, and young adults in the United States. For more than 60 years, motor vehicle crashes were the leading cause of injury-related death among young people. But beginning in 2017, firearm-related injuries took their place. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Lois Lee, an emergency medicine physician at Boston Children's Hospital and an Associate Professor of Pediatrics and Emergency Medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Lee has co-authored a perspective article about lessons from the most common causes of death among children. Dr. Lee, could you start by describing the trend in deaths attributable to motor vehicle crashes among children and young adults? When did the United States start making substantial gains in preventing these fatalities? Well, for decades, motor vehicle crashes were the leading cause of injury and death for children and youth 1 to 24 years old. However, over the last few decades, due to intentional continuous improvements in motor vehicle safety, we have seen a substantial decline in motor vehicle injuries and deaths in this age group. Starting in the year 2000, we began to see a significant decrease in motor vehicle-related injuries and deaths to children over time due to these efforts for continuous injury prevention due to motor vehicle crashes. We have seen the opposite trend, however, for firearms. Although firearm injury rates and death rates remained relatively static from about 2000 to 2014, starting in 2017, we saw firearms actually became the leading cause of injury-related death in children and youth, while motor vehicles then became the second leading cause. So you talk about changes in infrastructure with regard to motor vehicles and improvements. What about changes to the vehicles themselves? Have the vehicles become safer and have companies started advertising safety features and competing actually with one another on the basis of safety? Absolutely. That is one of the major reasons that motor vehicle crash-related injuries and deaths have decreased over time. I think nobody in the 1970s would have thought that motor vehicles, companies would be advertising cars based on safety, but now that's become really standard. And we can attribute a lot of that to one of the federal agencies whose sole purpose is for improving safety on the roads as well as safety within motor vehicles, and that's the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. You also talk in your article about the importance of licensing and registration policies. How have those state-level policies improved safety for children in particular? So for teen drivers, all states have now adopted graduated driver licensing laws, which give them formal training in driving and an observation time where they have supervised driving. With that, we've seen dramatic decreases, not just in motor vehicle deaths for teen drivers, but also impacting other passengers and drivers of other ages. So a moment ago, you contrasted this success with the rise in firearm-related deaths among children. So what's contributed to those increases in recent years? So although we have several systems in place that have led to decreases in motor vehicle crash deaths, including federal agency focused on safety, lots of research funding, and industry safety standards, as well as I discussed licensing and registration for motor vehicle drivers, we pretty much have had none of those things for firearms. There is no federal agency that is focused on the safety of firearms. Up until last year, we had no substantial national funding for research related to firearm injury prevention. And there's really no incentives for the industry to make firearms safer. And licensing and registration, although 
that does occur at the state level, it is quite variable. So what lessons can be learned from the example of motor vehicle crashes when it comes to making firearms safer, establishing firearm-related policies that protect children? We need to follow the principles of harm reduction, which we have seen in the motor vehicle industry. We need to, number one, design safer products and safety products for firearms, just like we have safer cars, but we also have car seats that children have to ride in. Number two, we need policies to reduce product-related danger, as well as policies to decrease the occurrence of hazardous situations. So overall, we do need a system to track firearm injuries and to promote continuous improvement. So some specific things we can do for that is number one, develop an agency whose mission is to prevent harm caused by firearms. Number two, we need to promote better industry standards for the farm industry to try to develop technology like smart gun technology to make firearms safer if they can be, and also to eliminate the firearm manufacturer tort protections. Number three, we need an organization which is also focused on advocating for beneficial regulations and policies related to firearms. And with that means number four, we need stronger laws, including child access prevention laws, extreme risk protection order laws, and universal background checks in all states. And then I would also advocate for number five, a universal state licensing and registration for firearms. In the United States, we actually have no idea exactly how many firearms we have because they're not all formally registered. And then lastly, we need to advocate for increased research funding. Finally, looking at that agenda that you lay out, what have been the biggest political barriers to implementing public health approaches to reduce firearm-related deaths among children? And what would have to change to overcome those barriers? Unlike motor vehicles, firearms are a highly politicized mechanism of injury. And although most people can agree that we need to promote firearm-related safety for children, Many firearm advocates are concerned about the rights of bearing arms being taken away. However, I don't think that those two things have to constantly be in opposition to each other. I think one key thing that would be important is really to continue to increase research funding for firearm injury prevention. Part of the reason we have been so effective in decreasing injuries and deaths to motor vehicle crashes is because there's a lot of science behind what works. And since we haven't had substantial research funding for firearms, we don't have the science, nor do we have the researchers. So in 1996, due to the Dickey Amendment, most federal funding for firearm research was really restricted. However, in 2020, Congress did appropriate $25 million for firearm-related research, which was split evenly between the CDC and the NIH. Now, that might sound like a lot of money, but if you think about it, $25 million hardly makes up for 25 years of no federal research funding. Thank you, Dr. Lee.